Hello, welcome to the Cutting Room, the movie show from all the right movies. I'm John, and with me today it's Matt. Hello, and Westy. Hello. Are you calm, Westy? Before we start. <laughs> well, this episode is our first sequel on the Cutting Room, a sequel about a prequel. Following on from our episode on The Phantom Menace, we're diving headfirst into Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Before we do that, though, just to let everybody know that All The Right Movies is a YouTube channel, and what you're listening to now is the audio podcast version of the latest episode of our YouTube show called The Cutting Room. The original video version, along with many other episodes and videos, is available on YouTube, so please head over to our channel to watch and subscribe. We actually started out as a podcast, and you can access our full archive of over 120 podcast episodes on our website, alltherightmovies.com, or by signing up to become an All The Right Movies patron at patreon.com forward slash alltherightmovies. Patrons also gain access to loads of other benefits as well, including an exclusive video episode of The Cutting Room every month, chosen by and created specifically for our patrons. So, as you can see, there's loads from all the right movies to keep you busy, so please check out YouTube and Patreon. But for now, it's back to the film. One of the most talked about sequels ever made this, but not necessarily for the right reasons. I'm playing all the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order. So, Matt... Yes. Why Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Attack of the Clones, whatever. <laughs> Would rather do that one. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> no. The director of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is livid at that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> George Clooney's, what was his debut? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll have that, yeah. <laughs> no, I want to talk about clones because I finally get to tell me favourite ever Westy story. So we've, we've mentioned this before. Me and Wes used to work at the cinema together. That's how we met. And when Clones came out, we were working there. And there was a staff show on the day before it went on general release. And management invited some local journalists along because they thought I'd make a bit of a story. So we all watch it and we trudge out afterwards. And there's a journalist from the local radio station getting like vox pops of people's reactions. And of course, she calls Westy. And she's like, oh, wow, great. What did you think of that? Well, Westy just goes... I don't know what the fuck that was, but that was not Star Wars. And then the storm. That poor woman did not know what to do. <laughs> that was not Star Wars. <laughs> not Star Wars. Judge and jury on what Star Wars is. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, I don't think she used the clip. <laughs> Well, for me, even after The Phantom Menace, I was still really excited for this when it came out. The trailer, I fell for it. Django Fett was in there. Some cool-looking action shots were in there. And then, I don't know if you remember, but Empire Magazine gave Attack of the Clones a five-star review. Five stars, yeah. He still gets grief on Twitter because of it. Yeah, Chris Hewitt, wasn't it? Yeah. Chris Hewitt, yeah. I also remember being convinced that the film was going to end on this awesome cliffhanger where we see Anakin Skywalker as Darth Vader for the first time. Did we get that? No, we got other things instead. I'll save my opinions for me when we get into it, but I'll just say now that Attack of the Clones was the first Star Wars film to not finish top of the year-end box office, and that doesn't surprise me. Though today, its scores on Rotten Tomatoes aren't the worst I've ever seen. I mean, not the best, but they're not the worst either. Yeah. But as ever, it is Star Wars, so I've got lots to talk about. George Lucas, the cast, the visual effects, the music, and we're covering it all. So this one... It's going to be great. Yeah, that's great. It's going to be great. That's going to be great. It's going to be great. That's going to be great. <laughs> and Westy, Attack of the Clones, still furious? <laughs> for, for, I'll be furious for 20 years. This makes a really nice change for us, though, because, I mean, we usually talk, I mean, normally talk about really, really good films. So this is a, um, this is a nice change of pace. Uh, I've got a lot to say on it. Not a lot of it is positive. Um, I can't believe you suggested it. I can't believe I had to watch it again. I can't believe I've got to talk about it for an hour and a half. So let's just get on with it. <laughs> All right, then. Send in the clones. It's Attack of the Clones. 
A decade on from the invasion of Naboo when the Republic is more torn than ever. Spearheaded by an unknown force, the Separatist Federation clones an army of battle-ready troops. Meanwhile, two Jedi Knights investigate and become embroiled in a story of tragedy, betrayal, love, and war. Sounds incredible, this. (laughs) 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 Directed by George Walton Lucas Jr., Attack of the Clones was written by Lucas and Jonathan Hales, produced by Lucasfilm, distributed by 20th Century Fox, and stars Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Natalie Portman as Padme Amidala. So what we do on our Cutting Room episode is analyse the movie in question by discussing the direction, the writing, the cast, our own highlight, and then we give the film a rating out of 10, don't we? Mm. Usually. <laughs> we do, yeah. It's usually, usually out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, up first then, the director of Attack of the Clones, Westy's favourite guy, it's George Lucas. <laughs> Having knocked it out of the park with The Phantom Menace, George Lucas returned to Helmet's follow-up in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Come on then, Westy. Time to wax yeah. lyrical about Georgie boy. He's on a roll, wasn't he? You know how I like... I <laughs> he don't, was. I don't dislike him like, as a person. I think he's a lovely man. <laughs> but um, I should really stop trying to look like him, shouldn't I, if I don't like him that much? <laughs> <laughs> Like his son, his long lost son. That's why I'm furious. Abandoned at yeah, birth. This is the real attack of the clones, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. When you write that one, um, yeah. I mean, it's it, it. Everybody needs help in this film, don't they? Somebody needs some direction from somewhere. He said he'd be drawn influences from Lawrence of Arabia, Sound of Music, and Doctor Shivago. <laughs> Well, that's obvious, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's all in there. <laughs> I had that written in my notes. <laughs> it's painful, most of it. The the set pieces are just kind of hammed together and cobbled together, and I think the performances are a career law for pretty much everyone in the film. That was some shortcut, Anakin. He went completely the other way. I don't really think Lucas had an idea of what he was doing. I'll, I will say, which I'll touch on in the writing, that I do think there's... there's a really good premise here. There's a good, it's a good idea. It sounds good. It's there to be done. But when he's tried to just translate his vision to the big screen, he doesn't really do a very good job. And for me, I think I can sit here and ribbit all day and be really immature about it. But I honestly think what he was trying to do is progress digital cinema because this was one of the very first films shot yeah. on that medium, shot on HD cam. And the what they did was the Panavision came in, they changed the Sony Cine Delta. HDW F900 camera to format for a 24 frame so it looks a lot more cinematic so George Lucas took the took the leap and just said right we're going to shoot everything digitally and to me that's all this film is it just kind of it's him just playing with the digital system and he's not bothered about story or acting or arcs or anything else he's like how does it look that's beautiful that's it fine yeah well I've done that I'll put that in the, in the bank and just say well it might be a terrible film but at least I've pioneered this which I think is what he was getting at so for me, that's all I think this film is. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start off complimentary by saying I think there are some quite well put together action scenes here. There's some great sound design, some great yeah. production design, and some good yeah. costume design that Lucas obviously oversees and manages. So that's good. When it comes to actually being on the set directing the film, though, that's where it kind of falls apart. Yeah. I mean, first off, working with the actors, there's some top actors in the cast, but Lucas' direction of them, especially in the dialogue scenes, is just so poor. Yeah. So many scenes of people just sitting, talking, or walking, talking, or sitting, then standing and talking. Yeah. It's just dull to watch. Yeah, it is. And secondly, the visual effects. I mean, Lucas is working with ILM here, obviously, the best in uh-huh. the business. They did the groundbreaking effects in the original Star Wars trilogy. Incredible. But here... You sort of mentioned it there, Westy. Lucas seems so preoccupied with breaking new ground that he's yeah. not actually bothered how credible it looks. It's all CGI, spaceships, aliens, backdrops, set, pretty much everything. Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> Yoda. I remember the producer, Rick McCallum, proudly telling anyone who would listen how much CGI was in there. Every single frame, every single shot in the movie has a digital effect. That's not automatically a good thing. Mm. No. And the actors didn't exactly love all the blue screen either. Pretty much every set has blue screen, even if it's just out a window or something. It's everywhere. 
Uh, I think I've been on one set where there hasn't been any blue screen. The, the guy who's creating that character will create their responses off how you respond to their responses that aren't there. It's a nightmare. The problem is, the technology wasn't there yet to support everything being done digitally, so way too often it doesn't look real, which just yeah. kills the film's credibility. It's a one of the main reasons the original trilogy was so successful is that the show is this crazy fantastical world, but it's all credible. Yeah, yeah you believe it. Yeah, yeah. you totally believe it. Yeah. Attack of the Clones is like watching a video game sometimes. Yeah. And when you see the cast on the set, they seem to have so little idea what they're actually shooting yeah. that they all seem to think it might actually turn out yeah. good. The spirit of adventure, the excitement, uh, the drama, everything is in this script that made people fall in love with the original Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these were state-of-the-art digital effects in 2002, but the problem is the decision to use it as much as they do was the wrong decision, and that decision was George Lucas' decision. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this film could have looked incredible. Instead, with Lucas AM exceeding his grasp, it ends up being one of the best examples of an overuse of CGI making a film worse for mm. me, unfortunately. And Matt, what do you think of the direction on the film? Yeah, because we didn't exactly shower him with praise on Phantom Menace. It commits the worst crime a film can do, and it's just be really, really boring. But there's always been a part of me at the time thought, well, after 20 years of not directing, maybe he just needed practice in this work. He would be better. Yeah. But it's not. Everything just feels really stilted and really <laughs> awkward. Like the opening on Amadala's ship when that lands. And I understand we're not meant to realise it's her double. But even the way he shoots, mm. where the double is in the corner of the screen and the camera's like on her shoulder... And you can see she's talking, but we can't get a, look, a good look at it. It just looks awkward. And I don't think it would give it away if yeah. we got an actual proper shot of her. And the film is full of these stilted compositions. When Obi-Wan goes to visit Dex, he goes to sit down. Then he stands up again straight away. Because Dex right, and then sits down again. It just looks <laughs> weird. It's like if you watch like an Ed Wood film from the 50s. It's like, you yeah. know, the actors yeah. in those films, they always make like really awkward entrances and exits. <laughs> That's what the direction yeah. is like. Everyone's yeah, just yeah, like, I'm like eh, where am I? It's like the room. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. It is. It's <laughs> like the room. It's like the room. Nothing feels like it's in the same frame. And even the action, the action doesn't feel like it's being cut together with any kind of logic. Nothing scans. And I think the problem mm. is, and you've kind of touched on it already, John, it's the actors. They react to so much green screen that they're not used to it. So what they need is a firm guiding hand. Or what they've got is George mm. Lucas. I mean, famously, yeah. he's not great with actors at the best of times. And now he's got all this new technology that he's grappling with. So it's no wonder that the actors look completely lost at sea. And that's how we do it. And it's just so poorly paced as well. I mean, it's a slog to get through this film. And on the page, there's loads of action. But none of it is engaging for all those reasons I've just gone through. And honestly... The only reason some of these scenes kind of work in the moment or they kind of make sense is because you've got John Williams propping it up. You know, John Williams is going, yeah, this is again. romantic, by the way. This is exciting. Yeah. This is tense. This is what George wants <laughs> you to feel. I'll do, I'll do all the heavy lifting for him. He has some mild peril. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mild at best. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I think William's work here, to be honest, is fantastic. Yes. The love theme is superb. Yes, yeah. What does he think when he sees the film? When he thinks, I've brought my A game here, and what is this? Yeah. He's just too busy counting his money, just being like, <laughs> looks, I mean, I don't, know, I don't care anymore, I'm finished. Yeah. Obi-Wan! Oh, hi, Mark. So George Lucas' director then has to be seen to be believed, right? Mm. Yep. A co-writing credit on Attack of the Clones as Lucas enlisted the help of Jonathan Hales. Lucas knew him from working on the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles yep. and Hales' screenwriting portfolio speaks for itself. The same year as Clones, he also co-wrote The Scorpion King, yep. prequel to The Mummy Returns, oh, yeah. another film famous for its CGI. Mm -hmm. A pair of safe hands on Clones then, right Matt? I mean, hands? You can... It's like they've been mashing the keyboard <laughs> with their head and that's all you get. <laughs> yeah. Should have got a Dexter Jetler in. He's got four hands. Well, exactly. I mean, it couldn't have been anywhere. It's just so confused, literally from the opening crawl, where it says several thousand solar systems have declared their intentions to leave the Republic. Several thousand. Too many. 
<laughs> Scientists have to invent a new measurement to adequately describe how big our solar system is. But we expect to believe there's several thousand all in one republic. No chance. And it's Lucas to tell you if something sounds massive, that's all I'm at is get it in there, logically damned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's the title. I mean, there's very little attacking done by the clones, to be honest. And, you know, Yoda <laughs> yeah. at the end gravely saying, Begun the Clone War. Like, that's meant to have some big relevance, but it has none whatsoever. If you're not fully versed in Star Wars <laughs> lore, it's a big, bold, dramatic yeah. statement, but it's empty of any real meaning, which is this film all over. And watching this for the first time in ages, I was genuinely struggling to understand what was going on. I mean, yeah. I, I can follow Chinatown easier than I could follow this. It's just stuffed yeah. full of things. <laughs> yeah. Important it's in well Lucas's head. <laughs> well, yeah. But, you know, he just can't translate them to the screen at all. And same with the else. I mean, the whole thing about Dooku, so he's creating the clones in the belief that Palpatine will use them later. But then Obi-Wan finds out the clone from Django, who tries to kill him. But no one seems concerned about that. And they just go, ah, they'll be no. fine to use. It's yeah. fine. They're all clone from the cycle. We'll just use them. That's fine. That won't come back to bite us on the arse. And like, it, Palpatine is doing everything. He, it's like he's just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. I mean, he's hiring people to kill Amidala, but if she survives, I guess that's okay as well for him. I don't know. I don't know. Does he want yeah. her dead or not? It's like, is he an idiot or is he some like genius playing like four dimensional chess that no one else can work out? And like, <laughs> just, just think of how. It's like Kubrick, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First time that comparison's ever been made. Yeah. <laughs> just think, or like, how, how simple, how streamlined is the plot when you hope you can sum it up in a couple of sentences? Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. This, I don't even know where mm. to start. And, I mean, I know the original idea, and I don't know if this is better or worse, to be honest, but the original idea was everybody in the galaxy at one point to be fighting their own clone. I'll say that again, everybody. <laughs> and that makes a problem, just far too much stuff going on from the handle, and he just doesn't know what's important, so he just goes, ah, all of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the plotting is all over the place. But again, I'm going to start positive. Okay. The concept... The idea is that it's a look at fascism and how a far-right government can take over a society, mainly inspired by the rise of Hitler in 30s yeah. Germany. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's a backdrop to the spine of the story, the fall of Anakin Skywalker from Jedi to Darth Vader. Mm. I mean, what a starting point that is. Mm. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Sounds good. The problems come when you get to the detail in the writing. Yeah. I'm going to talk a bit about character motivations when we get to the cast. So for now, I'm going to focus on the dialogue because the dialogue in this film has to be some of the worst I've ever heard. I mean, obviously you've got Anakin's classic line to Padme. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. What a line that is. Yeah, amazing. You live near the sea, Matt. Have you used that chat line before? Always. Standard Friday night. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Exactly. <laughs> But the dialogue, I mean, are these lines supposed to be funny? I mean, they're not funny, but mm. some of them sound like lines from a bad sitcom. Yeah. Are you having a laugh? <laughs> are you having a laugh? There's so many, but I've picked out me three favourites. Okay. Brilliant. At three, Obi-Wan, after Anakin jumps out the speeder, Awful. he watches Anakin go and says, I hate it when he does that. He might as well have looked at the camera yeah. when he said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least that would have been funny. Yeah. <laughs> Second place, Mace Windu, played by Samuel L. Jackson. The Battle of Geonosis, he comes out with a line that does not belong in oh, Star Wars. He holds his lightsaber at a Django Fett's neck and says, This party's over. <laughs> I'm waiting would... for him to say motherfucker yeah, at the yeah. end. <laughs> You should just went up the joke. See what again, motherfucking cut his head off. <laughs> and number one, it's got to be Anakin. Yeah. Again, trying on with Padme, where he says, "I wish that I could just wish away my feelings." <laughs> How did that line make it into a Hollywood film? I mean, also stop wishing for things. You meant to be Darth Vader, not Pinocchio. <laughs> Am I a real boy? Pinocchio is not as wooden. For a start. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Mannequin Skywalker. A real boy! <laughs> and Westy, the writing for you? Uh, did you write this on an Etch-A-Sketch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a good, it's a good idea. 
it's a good foundation of, you know, all of this is happening. It's the fall of the Republic. It's the rise of the Empire. The Palpatine's in there. He tries to bring back some characters that you're supposed to like. C-3PO comes back and he's, you're supposed to, oh, there's Yoda, oh, amazing. Which you kind of do a little bit. But you can't seem to flesh them characters out. You can't seem to give anyone a, a reason to be there. And I think one of the biggest things in this film was supposed to be Anakin's arc. I mean, if you think about it, just on paper... It's almost got that samurai code where you are just dedicated to what you're dedicated to. You're not allowed to love anybody. You are a, a defender of, you know, the Republic, a Jedi Knight. And you just kind of go, right, and then you fall in love with someone. It should have been like Romeo and Juliet. It should have been mm. such a conflicted, hard, tear you apart. Yeah. His mom gets killed. She just gets kidnapped and she's obviously beaten up yeah. and nasty things have happened to her. And he, he's going to kill everybody. And you're just like, wow. And you could have Obi-Wan on the other side trying to keep him calm, trying to keep that down. I mean, mm. if you think about, even in, his, in his, I'm not talking about, you know, Pacino and De Niro coming in and absolutely nailing it. Even in the Star Wars universe, if you look at like Luke and Han's relationship, that really worked. They, they had respect for each other, but they were also, you know, button heads at times, and there was elements of humour there. I got him! Great But there's just no relationships here. The whole film, to me, yeah. when the dialogue is on the screen and you're yeah. watching it, it feels like... Just that tone for two hours, 20 minutes. Yeah. Just a monotone drone with no, yeah. no up, no down. It's on that that part of the you know on that that part of the spectrum. You, if you're into that, if you're five years old, that's exactly where you need to be. But where you need something up and down, Attack of the Drones. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Anakin Zark's just it's it's there. It's in the film, but it's like he's just it's like rehearsal footage. It's like, mm -hmm. but try this. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, it's like they cobbled together all of the footage, all of the dialogue. They're just throwing stuff in. Nobody's actually stopped and went. You know what? This is fucking atrocious. This, like, I'm not saying this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But they're just kind of going. Well, no, we'll trust him because you know he's got loads of money and he's good for a job, so we might as well do it. It's just that kind of feeling. It feels like he's just taking the piss, and I think that's why I, I left so furious. I think it's why I'm still furious now. Like, you can't just say Star Wars <laughs> and then have lightsabers and then just go. Well, that's it. I that's know, it. Yeah. There you go. Um, and that's what I think the writing um, shit. <laughs> what's amazing though that there's actually a scene where Lucas was unhappy with the dialogue and it's the dinner scene between Anakin and Padme that's actually improvised between uh, Christensen and Portman imagine that Lucas oh that's not good writing that how bad must it have been <laughs> I know yeah and he's talking about yeah. himself yeah he's talking about himself <laughs> and he's got a scene between them when he's talking about sand and then he goes but everything here is so soft and smooth and then he's touching her arm Get the fuck away from us, yeah. man! You absolute <laughs> horrible. He's awful. <laughs> he is. And also, this romantic line did make it in. My heart is beating, hoping that that kiss will not become a scar. Give me strength. What on earth was the dialogue that Lucas thought was bad? <laughs> <laughs> awful. <laughs> but he's writing that crying at the time like, by candlelight. Oh. <laughs> no, this is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so after the way Jar Jar Binks was received in The Phantom Menace, which, you know, wasn't positive. Jar Jar Binks makes the Ewoks look like fucking Shaft. Lucas pretty much wrote him out of Attack of the Clones, which is a blessing. It really is, because you don't need anything else in this to make it even worse. He plays a part in an important scene, though, because he stands in for Amidala and is the one who tells Palpatine, yeah, that's fine, you just do that. Misa propose that the Senate give immediately emergency powers to the Supreme Chancellor. So it's all Jar Jar's fault. And who the fuck put him in charge? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's letting this guy make political decisions? Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't make him let... I wouldn't want him to order a fucking pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Jar Jar, actually, the working title for Attack of the Clones was Jar Jar's Great Adventure. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. little, little gag by Lucas there. <laughs> at himself he's just laughing at himself <laughs> <laughs> so the writing on attack of the clones then special is a good word i think it is yeah mm, yeah it's very special this episode of all the right movies is sponsored by the daily climb personal growth mindset and productivity tips the Daily Climb is a podcast hosted by productivity and self-care coach Ariel Yasmin, whose motivation is to help women feel like they have clear goals, strong habits and intentional self-care strategies to support their dreams. 
On the show, Ariel shares tips on increasing your self-awareness. She explores productivity strategies to help pursue your passions, setting and achieving your goals, making you feel excited to wake up in the morning. For that kickstart you need to create the life of your dreams, tune into The Daily Climb on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and at arielyasmine.com forward slash podcast. The link for the site is in the description for this show. Thank you to The Daily Climb for sponsoring this episode of All The Right Movies. Mostly returning from the Phantom Menace, the cast of Attack of the Clones is a mix of big stars and lesser known talents. We're going to choose one cast member each to talk about now, so Matt, who are you going for? Well, I had Jake Lloyd last time, so I'm going to continue the path, go ahead and Christensen this time. Because, <laughs> oh God, where to start? Like, he's got the same problem as every other actor does here, in that he's dealing with Luke's writing and Luke's direction. But the difference is the likes of McGregor, the likes of Portman, have at least some movie star charisma or innate talent to, to fight against that. Yeah. But Christensen, I just, he's just lacking in every conceivable way. Like his intro with Obi-Wan in the elevator. You know, they've been training together for 10 years. <laughs> this should be a snappy scene full of great, like, comic rapport, yeah. warmth between them. It's like they've just met five minutes ago for the first time. Yeah. Zero <laughs> chemistry. And it's a tricky role because Anakin is clearly a tragic figure, but you get no sense of that either. That scene where he's rescued his mother and he tells Padme what he did to the Tuscans. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. That's actually not badly written at all. I think the dialogue's good, the concept is horrifying. That should be the moment where you go, oh, God, this is tragic, this good guy learning mm. from Obi-Wan, but he's got this darkness inside of him that's going to destroy him. Give that scene to someone like Paul Dano, or Ryan Gosling, that could really yeah. work, but not here. Like, he's, he's a teenager having a tantrum, throwing things around yeah. the place, sulking and whining because he's not at all powerful. And the other important aspect to his character is that doomed, tragic romance that he has with Padme. So it's therefore a massive issue that he has less than zero chemistry with Natalie Portman. Hmm. Like, when she declares her love for him after they're being captured, you just think, what? Why? Yeah. How? <laughs> Like, she, she's got more sexual chemistry with Jar Jar than she does with Anakin. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, and like, I don't take any great joy in singling someone out to this extent, but so much of the saga rests on his shoulders, and he doesn't have the excuse of being as young as Jake Lloyd was. And yes, he's got mm. the right in the content with, but I have to be honest, he's a great big black hole in the film, just sucking all the joy and all the emotion out of it. I just think he's a, <laughs> a, a charisma vacuum. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, but, you know, it has to be said. Yeah, I mean, Darth Vader is already iconic by this point, obviously, and here they're telling his backstory. There was a genuine chance here to create a character who was both one of the great antagonists and one of the great protagonists. What a missed yeah. opportunity, because that might never come around again, that chance, because he's yeah. really badly written. I mean, at the time of casting, I know over 400 young actors were screen-tested for the part of Anakin, and some of the actors who Lucas met with were Ryan Philippe, Paul Walker, Heath Ledger, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow. wow. Also, James Van Der Beek, Joshua Jackson, and Paul Catamol auditioned. Do you know who Paul Catamol is? From S Club 7. <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> well, ma- massive S Club fan. <laughs> you, you fucking toss pot. <laughs> that's, that's do. It is a guy from S Club 7. But I mean, what's yeah, going on? Me. Yeah, let's get that guy in from to play Darth Vader from S Club 7. <laughs> Ridiculous. The main problem I have with Anakin is that I don't buy the character as a real person. When you both watch this film, does it feel like you're watching the same character who was the villain in The Empire Strikes Back? No. No. Not, not at all. To <laughs> no. me, not at all. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. It's not fair. Not all Caden Christensen's fault, but he doesn't help himself, I don't think. No. For my cast member, I'm going to do Natalie Portman as Padme Amidala. We know Natalie Portman is a really good actress, an Oscar winner. And considering the line she's been given to say, I think she's good here. She's good in the action scenes as well. I think in a better film, Amidala could have been a brilliant character. Here though, with this writing, I mean, Anakin and Padme have to be the worst written screen couple in history, surely. It's presented as if they have this really deep connection, but nothing is done to justify it. I don't know what Amidala even sees in Anakin. She's intelligent, 
beautiful, successful, she's a good person. He is a childish asshole. I mean, some of the red flags she completely ignores. The first thing he says to her is really creepy. So have you grown more beautiful, I mean. He looks at her at times like a total pervert. Sorry, milady. Yeah. He's arrogant and always rude as hell to her. There's some places up there that are very isolated. Excuse me. Yeah. And he murders children and shows yeah. no remorse for it. But the women and the children too. And she, she still goes out with him. She marries yeah. him. I mean, yeah, I mean, Natalie Portman is great. And the character of Amadala, I think, is a great idea. But Portman and Amadala both deserve far better than what we end up seeing on yeah. the screen here. He's like, fucking, he's like Ted Bundy. <laughs> he is. Without any charisma whatsoever. Yeah, yeah at least he was good looking. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, John. She's you know, fighting the material especially can. But I do know actually there were scenes where you meet a family as well. You were going to meet a parents, a sister and a niece and nephew, but Lucas cut them out to get the runtime down. Yeah. I mean there's many scenes I'll be cutting before that one, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. But two hours of it. Yeah. <laughs> All the larking about in the meadow. Oh God. Oh yeah. God. What the hell is that? <laughs> and Westy, who are you going to talk about in the cast? Well, I mean there's only one left, isn't there, with, that's actually worth talking about, and it's it's as baffling as ever. It's our Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan mm. Kenobi. Um, <laughs> what's he doing? What's he thinking? What planet's he on? <laughs> Does he know that the, the camera's on? I know it was digital and there wasn't film going through it, but, I mean, he's got to know that there's a green light somewhere and it's on when he's like, and I saved you from that nightmare master, and he's like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I want to pull me face, me whole face, like off, and, and and just rub it around, just so I don't have to hear it or see it. And the bit when he goes and meets the prime minister with the clones all getting built. Do you know what it sounds like when he introduces himself? And this is Master Jedi Obi Wan Kenobi. You know when you're on the on the phone and it's an automated service and it's a robot talking to you and goes, say your name after three. It's yeah. one, two, three, you go, Steve. It's like that. It's like, and this is Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's <laughs> 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 so many bad delivery lines. Every, I don't think there's a bit. There's one bit when, the, when they get the Duke at the end and they, they run off the ship and he runs. And I was like, oh, that reminds me of he's running Phantom Menace. That was a good scene. I, I like that. And that was the only thing that I enjoyed about his performance. But there's that bit when... Um, when he goes in, the younglings are there with Yoda, and they stand there and they go, Hello, none of them are saying the right words, so that's all over. None of them have a fucking clue what they're doing. Right? And he just goes, Hello, I'm sorry to disturb you, Master. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It's god awful. It's god awful. And I'm sitting watching it going, I, I believed wholeheartedly that this guy was addicted to heroin. I believed it. Yeah. Now, he's bringing nothing to the table. I hate the way he sits, I hate the way he stands, I hate the way he looks, I hate the way he talks. Good call, my young Padawan. I kind of really fucking hate this performance. It's atrocious, and the way he... Sp mm. oh, you know what really pisses me off? This is the last thing I'm going to say, because I know I'm rabbiting on. But you know when he spins his lightsaber like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too many fucking times. Fuck off, man. Fuck off with that shit. He's just Terrible performance. Career low. Career low. That, well, that thing, when he went around on a motorbike, was far more entertaining oh, yeah. than that was shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of Obi Wan here. Again, the writing of the character is bad. But unlike Natalie Portman, I don't think McGregor handles the bad lines well. I bothered. don't buy his wife Jedi persona. I don't buy his accent. For a drink. And I don't buy his beard either. No? Yeah, because the thing about the beard, though, because after he filmed this, it's next on his Black Hawk Down, 
and in that he needed a buzz cut and needed yeah. to be clean shaven so that's why he looked like that but then they had to bring him back to do new scenes so he had to have a hairpiece and prosthetic beard and I think you can really tell in some scenes like the elevator with Anakin which I mentioned the scene in the Outlander Club where he's in the Jedi Temple with Yoda and when Dooku's interrogating him I think that's when it really I think yeah, that, that's not his hair is it wearing a piece Charlie Sheen <laughs> <laughs> Elton John. <laughs> Obi John. Obi John Kenobi. <laughs> now that I would want to see. Would be see this Also, what I don't get in the first Star Wars film, Obi Wan tells Luke that him and Anakin were like best pals. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy, and he was a good friend. When yeah. full of shit, they barely speak to each other in the Phantom Menace, the fight to the death and revenge of the Sith, and here Anakin can't stand the sight of him. Hate <laughs> each other. You will pay attention to my lead. Why? What? And he was a good friend. Your senses aren't that attuned to my young apprentice. And yours are. And he was a good friend. It's all Obi Wan's fault. He's jealous. And he was a good friend. And he was a good friend. So the cast on Attack of the Clones then do what they can, mostly, in some trying circumstances. Is that fair? Mm. Well, they they speak words and move around, so yeah. Yeah, they definitely do. They do (laughs) that. They definitely do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, based on the discussions we've had so far, it won't be a surprise to anyone to learn that we were spoiled for choice when choosing our highlights from Attack of the Clones. Yeah, you had to pick nine for us. <laughs> <laughs> I just picked a scene over a hat and gave it to you. Yeah, I know you did. Yeah, I, know you. I was like, just, just whatever. <laughs> Matt, what's your highlight? No, do you know what? I do quite like that little plot thread of Obi-Wan as a, essentially a private detective, tracking down the assassin, starting to put the pieces of the plot together, uncovering the conspiracy, all very separate, everything else that's going on. And it starts mm. to play out pretty effectively. I, I actually get quite engaged with that, but the problem is it lasts for about five minutes. Yeah, it's and like then, the Maltese Falcon, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> God, if only, if only. It's literally five minutes, and then it just falls back into the, the same problems that affects the rest of the film because it just descends in a, a really horribly shot action sequence where all the involvement I had just pff, just dissipates. And like, oh, well, yeah. that, was, that was nice for five minutes, never mind. I mean, when he's fighting Django, all the shots of him deflecting the shots all over the place they just feel really thin and weightless and i mean you've met some some of your like worst dialogue john this one thing when obi-wan gets pitched over the railing goes oh not good like, oh, oh it's god <laughs> it's so corny it's it's kids cartoon stuff and i've got yeah. no fundamental problem with star wars being aimed at children but you don't have to be juvenile at the same time yeah. it's just Awful. And when Obi-Wan has grabbed that cable from Django and he's swinging all over the place in it, my main thought when I was watching it again was like, he's going to cut right through his hand doing that. Like, yeah. he, he can't he hang on to that without, yeah, yeah. without severing his fingers. And when you're watching a Star Wars film and you're criticising, like, the plausible scientific and physical yeah. reality you of scenes... You should be able to suspend disbelief exactly. to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's when you know you're in trouble. And I'm going to try and end on a positive, because there's two things I, I do quite like. Your highlight, really. I know, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what else was going to do with this? But no, when they end up chasing it through the asteroid field, I do like the sound effect of Django's bombs. Oh, yeah. That- I like that. I think that that's pretty cool. And I do like that shot where you see Django bangs his head on Slave 1. Because that's Lucas yes. giving a nod to A New Hope, that famous mistake where the Stormtrooper bangs mm. his head. Take over. Little bits with highlights. Yeah. Yeah. I also quite enjoy the investigation part of the story. Obi-Wan going to the library and stuff. I mean, I could do without Dexter <laughs> Jetster. He's rubbish. Lucas said that he was based on Ernest Borgnine, Dexter Jetster. Right. That is not a compliment in any way. It's to Ernest Borgnine. But at Camino, the water planet, I quite like that as an idea. It's far mm. too CGI heavy again. But the design yeah. of the aliens, that's surely inspired by the end of Close Encounters. I quite like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's a foreshadowing for Empire, and there's a few, and there's one in my highlight that I mentioned as well, but in the scenes where Obi-Wan is off alone investigating, there's a bit of foreshadowing in what you guys are talking about. You know, when he gets away from 
Django Fett and he's going through the asteroid field. Yeah. And obviously Boba's with Django and then Obi-Wan hides on the dark side of the asteroid. So that's how Boba Fett knows that the, the Falcon's hiding on the other side of the Star Destroyer. And it's 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 tenuous at best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, great writing. That <laughs> brilliant. He thinks he's really clever. He's like, that's how we figured it out. Let's see if they get that one. Here we go, lads. Yeah. <laughs> it's also ridiculous where Django's chasing Obi Wan through the asteroid field. He's right behind him, and he fires like a million shots. He doesn't hit Obi Wan's ship once. Yeah. <laughs> But he can hit the changeling from a rooftop yeah. with a dart. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so he feel the power tailor, great with a dart in his hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, for my highlight, I was racking my brains, to be honest, and mm. I thought I might as well go for the Battle of Geonosis. So right. Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Amidala, the Holy Trinity, they've been captured and are thrown into this huge Colosseum-type structure. This is only a couple of years after Gladiator, which can't be a coincidence, surely. No, no. There's a really cringy line where Anakin and Amidala are waiting to be taken out, where Padme is like, I truly, deeply love you. He's killed children, Padme. Then bragged about it. What's the matter with you? <laughs> Still kind of clingy from her, though. I'd just be like, oh, fucking Aries. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't spoken to you in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. But then the action, when it comes, it's okay at first. It's a bit reminiscent of looking at the Rancor from Return of the Jedi, but not as good as that, yeah. obviously. Another terrible line here, when Yoda turns up in his ship, and he says, Around the survivors, a perimeter create. <laughs> Yeah. Absolute gobbledygook. <laughs> what? Django Fett dies here when Mace Windu chops his head off, and when Boba Fett picks up the helmet, Lucas originally planned to have Django's head fall out the bottom of it. So, kids' film, <laughs> apparently. I would have loved that. <laughs> that would have been my highlight. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a big CGI free for all to end with. I mean, how else was this film going to finish? Yeah. And another thing about the scene, though, you've obviously got Mace Windu in here as well, you know, ending the party. And have you noticed his lightsaber's purple as opposed to either the usual blue or green? Yeah. That's because yeah. he specifically asked Lucas, can I have a purple one, which he agreed to. You, you might get purple. And though we never see it on the hilt, it's engraved BMF, which stands for bad motherfucker. It's the one that says bad motherfucker. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see out front, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, someone had to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Westy, what's your highlight then that I gave you? <laughs> I think it's probably because it's like... <laughs> towards the end of the film you know how the <laughs> lightsaber fight completely repairs well not completely repairs but makes it feasible to watch phantom menace mm-hmm. yeah this yeah. one makes this one even worse because it <laughs> yeah. just it introduces things that it's just at once so boring it's so boring it's so childish in that i mean i hate one of my pet hates is a sword fight with dialogue when they stop yeah, halfway yeah. through and then they say something surely you can do better yeah this yeah, is yeah. even worse <laughs> with you know when Anakin's, I'm going to get him now. Oh, great, right, there you are. Kill him, will you? Get him on your face. So he, he gets not off, and then Obi-Wan walks around, and he's like, my powers are too strong for you. And Chris Valley's great in this. He's really happy, and he's loving his really time. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, he's yeah, really, really having a good time, and he is watchable, one of the only people yeah. who is pretty watchable, until he's on that speeder, and you just go, Jesus Christ, this is embarrassing. <laughs> but he's holding the lightsaber, and he just completely absorbs all the lightning. I can't remember what the line is now. It's just disgustingly hammy. I don't think so. And they get into the fight, and then you just think good, and then it starts getting good. Obi-Wan gets hit a bit. Oh, right, he's down, right? See, Anakin's got two lightsabers. Great. Oh, he's cut the thing on the floor, so everything's gone dark. <gasps> it's Empire Strikes Back. There's blue, and there's red, and it's in the dark, yeah. and he's silhouetted. And then they're just waving the lightsabers across their own face for 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, it's awful, that, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, no content. That looks good. Look. That looks good. Ooh, light and dark. Chiroscoro. Ooh. Right. So there's that bit which is annoying and crap. And then Anakin gets his arm taken off, which is at once the most satisfying thing I've ever seen in the history of cinema. And I've seen some satisfying stuff. That's wonderful. I love that. And then Yoda turns up, which is canny good. And I remember at the cinema when that happened. And he walks in, and everyone was kind of like, yes, there's Yoda. And then you kind of just remember that it's a cartoon, and then he starts taking the piss out of the Matrix, and you start going, oh. And then Christopher Lee mentions lightsabers, and you go, oh, no. 
and then the way he just moves his robe around and it comes into his hand and it's like a little dog's dick and it's shit and it's like (laughs) starts goes into it and when he starts jumping around flying around no yeah <laughs> There's a moment where Anakin goes to Dooku with two lightsabers. You mentioned it there, Westy, and it's weird because yeah. for just a split second, I actually feel something. It's good. Yeah. I think it's because for it's the first good. time, they actually show us Anakin being good, not just telling us that he's good, and that is great. But it's just for a split second, then it's gone. Yeah, and if you watch this scene, yeah, watch this scene again. I mean, look how he directs action sequences. He goes to a wide close up, wide close-up that's not how you do it there's no mid shots in this sequence at all like if i can remember it's always like it's all a full length there's everything and then it's mm, one of the yeah. faces one of the faces wide shot <laughs> yeah. it's impossible to engage as an audience yeah it's like watching on a security camera and then someone just running up the camera and right close to it and then fucking off again you're just like yeah what, what is going on it's just so badly directed <laughs> it's laughable it's honestly awful but christopher lee's fun yeah he is but yoda is ridiculous leaping about like sonic the hedgehog I mean, what happened to Wise Yoda? What happened to this? Yeah. I can't. It's too big. Size matters not. Well, it does now. Yeah. Leaping about all over the place. There's behind-the-scenes footage where Lucas is talking to John Knoll, the effect supervisor. And Lucas seems to think this is what we all want to see. This will be the first time you actually see him pull out that little laser sword of his and go to town. Yeah. So that's something that everybody's waiting for. We weren't waiting for a George. Nobody wanted to see Little Green Yoda with a little green lightsaber. Honestly, when I saw this at the time in the cinema, it was easily the biggest laugh I've ever heard in a cinema before. Yeah. It was yeah. crazy. The problem is, it's not meant to be funny. Because it ha- does have the potential of, of being unintentionally funny. So we have to make it look not funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our highlights then. They're all part of the film? Yeah. <laughs> They're all in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're there to be watched. Mars, I'm coming to you first. Like Jerry Springer, I want your final thoughts, please. <laughs> Jerry Springer? What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> you are the father. <laughs> 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 no, um, I mean, this is a low. It's a low point for Star Wars. It's a low point for cinema. It's a low point for everyone involved. It's a low point for us having to talk about it. For ages, <laughs> I would have said Phantom Menace is the worst Star Wars film, but after watching this again, Phantom Menace is a class of both clones. Do I give a credit for anything? Williams never lets the side down. McDermott yeah. is having a great time. Yours is in the, in the prequel trilogy. And yeah, I'm always happy to see Christopher Lee. He gets it. So for those reasons, and there's literally nothing else, gets a three. Well, I've been pretty critical. And at its core, I think the issues here are the same as The Phantom Menace. Lucas should have came up with the story and then stepped back. The story, if you look at it scene by scene, is a good story. The problem is that the execution of almost every one of those scenes is really poor. And it's not the cast or the music or the production design or the costume design. That's all mostly excellent. It's the boring direction. It's the Mm. terrible character writing. It's the overuse of CGI. And all three of those issues, the blame lies with Lucas. It's another missed opportunity. I don't buy Obi-Wan's beard. And I was right 20 years ago. It should have ended with a Darth Vader cliffhanger. My (laughs) score, I'm going the same as Empire. It's a five. (laughs) <laughs> um, very nice I, I was going to say what <laughs> <laughs> no don't give it a 10 <laughs> it's sanity <laughs> and Westy your fury I mean your summary and score for Attack of the Clones please <laughs> furious summary um, I always always when I was growing up I was so taken with Star Wars it was my film it was my universe I was so into it I would buy the books that told you what all the vehicles were I was like that into yeah. it it was just mm. a big thing I always wanted to be a Jedi my whole life until I saw this and then <laughs> I didn't want to be one anymore because they look like no. they've just went to Comic Con the night before anyone who's dressed up mm. as a Jedi get them in they look like competition <laughs> winners and it's so <laughs> unfortunate that I kind of pieced all of my hopes on this thing. When I came out and I had, you know, I don't know what the fuck this is, but this isn't Star Wars. I still stand by that. I don't know what this is. Yeah. It's a mess of a film. 
there's two good things I like about it. I like it when Samuel L. Jackson runs up to Django Fett and takes his head off. I think that's fantastic. And there's another bit where there's an all-terrain open transport, which is part of the fight at the end, the big the big fight scene. And it comes mm. in and it gets dropped off on a dropship. Oh, the yeah. dropship comes in and drops oh, the carrier yes. down. That looks amazing. That does look great. For them reasons, and they are the only things I like about the film, them two things, it's two out of ten. Good logic. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> So overall, that leaves Attack of the Clones with a big fat 10. Out of 30, though, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised yeah. it's in double figures, to be honest. Yeah, I know. <laughs> as low as possible. And that's it for this episode. If you like what we do on The Cutting Room, you can access bonus episodes by supporting us on Patreon. You can also get access to over 200 hours worth of All The Right Movies podcasts and lots more benefits too. And you can get those podcasts on our website. There's loads of them, including the first two Star Wars films, the good ones. Mm -hmm. The podcasts are hugely researched and over two hours in length, so very in-depth. So go check them out. Yeah, please please do. But for now, we're going to say goodbye and thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yep. Thanks, Thanks so guys. much for sitting through that. It means yeah. you don't ever have to watch that film again. We've yeah. done it for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so based on the discussions we've had so far, it won't be a surprise to anyone to learn that we were spoiled for choice when choosing our highlights from Attack of the Clones. Matt, mm. what's your highlight? <sighs> no. Nah. Matt? All right. Westy, your highlight scene? All right. Forget a scene. Favourite character? Favourite line of dialogue? Favourite word? What's your favourite word in the script? Yeah. going to go to Tachi Station to pick up some power converters. I hate it when they do that. It's a fantastic job. I mean, there's no getting around it. <laughs>